Okay, kids, this is Master Robots, and we're back with another super exciting, super fun episode of World's Famous. This time out, we're going to talk about a wrestling show I went to. We're going to open up a He-Man toy I got at the flea market. Going to do some of this, going to do some of that. But before we can do anything, Grandmaster Grandpa kicked that beat. OKIC Robot, let's get this party started right. Let's get this party started quickly. This is World's Famous with IC Robot. That's for sure. This is me, IC Robot, signing in to the IC Robots Earth Base here in lovely Santa Rosa, California. I I received some emails, I received some tweets, I received some messages on uh, my AOL Instant Messenger about the about the ad last week for the Pooptronics Foods Food Cube Maker. People people were like, yo, I see robots, you put your life on the line. Yo, I see robots, your boy Derek, your boy Ed, you guys all put your life on the line to go out there and fight food cubes. Now what are you doing shilling for food cubes? And I, I know, I wouldn't say I'm a shill per se, but I get where... I get where you're coming from on this. It's just, um, technically, if you really want to get into it, I'm still an employee of Pooptronics through Pooptronics video, but I, I haven't been to the store in months, but they they still haven't, like, uh, terminated me officially. They they still haven't, like, got rid of my, my employee codes and all that stuff. I'm still technically a Pooptronics employee, but I think, I think they realize that this is all sort of a touch-and-go situation, but... When I signed on over at Pooptronics Video at the last video store, what happened was I accidentally signed a contract that said I would give Pooptronics uh, four ads on the show per year. It's, it's, uh, well, I don't have the money actually to get like my own lawyer and sort this out. It's, it's just one of those, it is what it is. And every once in a while they reach out to me and they're going to ask me to advertise something and there's just, there's just not a lot I can do, man. They got some, uh, you know, real sharks over there in the Pooptronics brand, uh, legal department. I'm not even, I'm not even going to lie, guy. They got some, uh, they got some ruthless dudes over there and sometimes it's like they're, they're not going to hit you financially. They're going to hit you in the head with a stick and I... I wouldn't say I'm scared, but I would say that I'm cautious, and if all they're going to ask me to do is to advertise one of their silly contraptions every once in a while, I'll, I'll do it. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt. I don't imagine, well, it could hurt, it could hurt somebody, but I don't imagine that the, uh, the run-of-the-bill listeners here of World Famous are going to run out and buy a poop, are going to run out there and buy a Pooptronics brand food cube maker. What, what need would you have for that after you've, uh... After you've heard the whole fiasco, you've heard the whole food cube fiasco, you know how it all turns out, they get you hooked. But nonetheless, I I did want to talk about this for a little bit, because I don't want you guys to think that your dude Icy Robots is selling out, because when it comes to that, never that. Your guys never once slipping, never twice, never triple slipping, never doing any of that kind of stuff. I I keep it as real as real gets, you know, I... I do what I can do to make things straight. Hey, did you guys did you guys hear that behind the bit with Ed? That new show that uh that popped up last week. Ed reached out to me and he asked if he could if he could use some show bits for a show he wanted to talk about uh for a show he wanted to do about he wanted to do like a deep dive in, in, into a, a previous musical bit from from the show and I was like, "Well, if you really want to." And that that came out, man. And I got to say it's doing really well as far as listens like it's actually a little bit more popular than this show, which I which I find interesting. The show analyzing this show is more popular than the show, but it could just be Ed's star power. Ed is, uh, you know, from TV50. He's been around. He's a journalist. He was part of the whole Food Cube team. If it wasn't for him, 
letting me go on the air and talk about Food Cubes. If it wasn't for him with the TV50 trucks and he had the house we hid out at, he had the house Derek Hang lighted from, all all of that was thanks to Ed. So I gotta I gotta say maybe maybe he just has his own fan base. Maybe he has people who are just checking out Ed more than they're checking out me. But uh go listen to that. Behind the bit, it's the episode before this one. If you're on the main feed, it's behind the bit with Ed. They talk about this uh this bit I did called Corn Frost back in the day. That was that was quite a long time ago, man. That was like five, five, six years ago. Long time in the past. Let's uh behind the bit. Let's go forward and we're gonna we're gonna open up this He-Man thing I got right here on the floor. There is only one man who can strike fear in the hearts of the mutants. Only one man with the power to seize control of the tri-solar galaxy. No matter what it takes. Only the most powerful man in the universe, He-Man. This is the Mo2 Minute with the man who sold Kaldor the acid that burnt off his face. I see robots. Yeah, that's right, that's me. I see robots, the guy that sold that nitwit Kaldor the acid he dropped right upon his stupid ugly face and then it melted down into goo, leaving a skeleton underneath. It was hideous. I saw the whole thing. It made me made me sick. I still uh, I still get sick thinking about it today. I was I was at the flea market the other week, the the Mojo one, the one with the bad parking that drives me crazy. We decided we decided let's go and check it out, right? We we know there's been like some parking situations, there's been some conflict which which you guys have all been following very closely, I am sure, but uh we got up early and we rolled down over there and I I am very glad that I did because in maybe like the third row, like the fourth row, there was a dude there who was selling He-Man vehicles for a mere $5 a pop. These are all these are all like earlier wave ones, but I got Stridor, the robotic horse, and I also got I got the uh Land Shark for $5. Today we are going to open up and examine the Stridor. Let's uh let's find out what Stridor or who Stridor is before we uh get too far into this. Strider is a robotic horse that serves as a steed for the heroic warriors. In the mini-comic The Clash of Arms, Strider carries Fisto to scout the borders. When Fisto is captured by the evil warriors and forced to fight in the Circle of Doom for his life, Strider brings He-Man to the Circle of Doom, saving Fisto from Whiplash. I'm not sure there if he saved Fistor from Whiplash, like the injury that you get when uh, you're in a sitcom and a car rear ends you and you have to wear that uh, thing around your neck. I'm not sure if it's that or the character Whiplash. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and assume it's the character. Man, I I had seen this Stridor on the shelf at a Target and I I was into it. I was into it, but I I don't have like a ton of space for vehicles. I have lots and lots of figs. And only so much Motu space, but when you see when you see something like this for like a mere five dollars, bro, you gotta you gotta dive in head first. I'm pretty stoked. I got this, I got the other one. They also had a Caldor, the the Caldor set, the double set, and I have that already. I haven't opened it. For some reason it ended up getting hung on the wall for safekeeping, and I haven't pulled it down to open it, but maybe Maybe someday soon because it's going for five bucks at the flea market. Not, 
not a lot of reason to hold on to it. I also have the original Stridor. I got it at a rummage sale at this weird warehouse over over near the uh, junior college. There was like this weird warehouse for the that was there for like the longest time. It was this weird old rusty building, and I had always wondered what was going on inside of there because you would see activity every once in a while, but never like inside. So I was curious. And then one day. They had, like, a giant rummage sale. Turns out that some guy had been buying and saving stuff for years and years and years, putting it in the warehouse, and then he passed away, and it all ended up getting sold for, for pennies. Pennies on the dollar. That's that's what's going to happen to all of us. So make sure you, you ask your relatives if they want your stuff before you go and buy a ton more stuff. But I went to that rummage sale, and I got the Stridor. I got it for, like, a dollar. I, I have it on my shelf with Fisto. Mine doesn't have a tail. This one is much better, so I'm, I'm happy to have this. Let's let's just bust into this. I went ahead and I cut the tape ahead of time just to just to save the injury. We don't want to pull out the Arthur Fonzarelli switchblade. Oh heck, let's just do it. There it goes. We pulled it out anyway. Just just cause. Shout out to Arthur Fonzarelli from uh, Waukesha, Waukesha, Wisconsin. I. I now have Stridor out of the box. He has a lot of uh, a lot of ties. Let's just go ahead and look. got the Vidal Sassoon brand snippy snips. We're gonna snip one here. I got one out. Here's two. His tail also has one that we've gotten out. His feet are tied on. Is that all? We might be able to. Let's see. I'm gonna go ahead and just pull. We're gonna try to pull him out. I don't wanna. I don't want to make a giant crinkle, but I do feel I must be missing one. Oh, one around his midsection. Snip to the snip snipple. We got him out. Here's another one around his other foot. I get that you want to have these in here, but this is... Don't they realize that, like, I'm doing this live on the radio right now? I guess not. I got him out, though, at any any rate. I got him out. He has a lot more articulation. The original, the original Stridor has, the legs are stiff. This one, this one could bend at the ankles. His head can turn. His neck is really neat. It's a flexible piece so he can like turn left and right a bit and also like up and down. He's wearing a helmet. He also has like a ton of stuff. He has a base that you can stand him on, which I think is cool. I always appreciate it when an action figure comes with a base. That's like a nice little bonus. And as I understand it, the base can connect to Castle Grayskull, the new Castle Grayskull, which I am... I'm going to have to buy that piece, honestly. I've seen it on eBay for as low as like 70 bucks, and it would be nice. I apologize also for facing away from the microphone, but i got to get this stuff out. Isn't that everything? Okay, so we can dig in here. You put this gun here on the side... But now I got those in. He's got his helmet. Very cool. Let's, um... Oh, this is a little piece of stand that you can put underneath so you can make him look like he's rising up. Very, very cool. This is a nice toy. I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna front. Nice details. Now, Strider's cool, man. For the low, low price of five clams, you cannot go wrong. Next episode, we're gonna bust open the, um... The land shark, but I gotta say, the Fisto Stridor. Stridor and Fisto are connected. I think on the old packaging, they showed him riding 
Stridor. Fisto and Stridor. On my st other Stridor, Fisto's on top of it. I might have to go ahead and get me, like, a new school Fisto. Very happy. Very stoked. Let's, uh, jump ahead into this week in Japanese League Baseball with our guy, Derico. <laughs> This week in Japanese League Baseball. This is Derek for this week in Japanese League Baseball. Spring training has begun. Unlike in Major League Baseball, the Japanese League teams meet when it is still winter in hopes of getting additional mental well-being and cosmic enlightenment training. The training consists of many hikes up mountains carrying buckets of water as well as many hours hitting trees with bats in hopes of finding the perfect swing. Do not worry, the trees are wrapped with padding and are not hurt in any way. The same cannot be said for the rookie players, unfortunately. Every morning at 4am the rookie players wake up to extended sessions of physical and mental abuse at the hands of team veterans. While it might seem distressing to western eyes the beatings help the team coalesce for the upcoming season. This is Derek, head of the IC Robots Radio Sports Division signing of. This has been This Week in Japanese League Baseball. That was This Week in Japanese League Baseball. This past week I see robots went to see professional wrestling at the Cow Palace. This is what it was like. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. That's what it was like. We had a great time. We went to Daly City to visit the historical Cow Palace to watch AEW Dynamite being broadcast live around the universe. AEW is kind of a upstart wrestling league, sort of a sort of a business rival to the much larger WWE. There there are some like stylistic differences between the two, but that's not that's not anything that uh you need to be worried about. I know that I know that a lot of you guys don't like wrestling talk, and I dig it, man. I don't I don't really like a lot of wrestling talk either. So I'm going to I'm going to kind of sort of focus on what I noticed about the TV production of the event. Of course, there is going to be a little bit of wrestling. It's, you know, it's completely completely unavoidable to talk about a wrestling show without mentioning some wrestling, but we we decided to go check out a taping of the AEW flagship show. AEW stands for All Elite, Elite wrestling, wrestling, which is which is kind of a weird name to me, but it, you know it is what it is. But uh, we decided to go down and check out their their TV taping. The this was the first time they had been in San Francisco. The Cow Palace is in San Francisco slash Daly City. It's actually in Daly City, but people say that it's in San Francisco because it sounds better. They're they're like right next to each other. But anyhow, we went we went to see it. The tickets the tickets were not expensive at all. They were they were like forty bucks. And then then dig this a few days. Before the show, we got a call. The wife got a call from the Cow Palace because she bought the tickets and she gave them their number, her number. So we got a call on the phone from the Cow Palace and they said that they said that AEW had contacted them and that they had some sort of a like a camera, like a camera unit that they wanted to put in the area where our seats were. So they wanted to they wanted to move all the people in that area to a new area. So we got a ticket upgrade. We got we got to sit fairly close. Like we were near enough that you could see the wrestlers' faces and stuff. We were in we were in not not the floor, but like the first row above the floor, which is which is pretty good. I was I was pretty pleased with these tickets. We had a nice view of, of everything. The the show starts off with an hour-long taping of an internet show they do. It's on YouTube. It's called Dark Elevation. And 
basically what they do is they have guys come in and beat up like local guys. They have they have like all sorts of what you might call a jobber or a jabroni in the wrestling game get defeated by more name talent. It's it's kind of reminiscent of like an eighties wrestling show where like you would see like Mr. Perfect come out and pin Jake the Milkman Milliman really quickly or whatever. You see Iron Mike Sharp do the job to uh Randy Macho Man Savage, that that kind of thing. That was that was kind of cool. The way that they do it is they they do like a countdown. There's a a girl named Dasha, Dasha Martinez. I don't I don't remember her name, but she was the announcer and she would do like a countdown. Like five, four, three, two, one, and then at one, there would be like a signal for everybody to cheer because they were gonna they were gonna start the match and they'd have the match. Then they would like talk a little bit, like the girl Dasha would walk around and talk to people on the microphone, like, Oh, hey, where are you guys from? Blah 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 or hey, I really like your sign or whatever and then they would give her the signal five, four, three, two, one, and then we'd all have to act like it was a like a live wrestling show again. So that that went on for an hour. That was that was okay. Honestly, I think that if I were to do it all again, I might very well skip this part. The the big star I think that wrestled on that was a guy named Lance Archer, who's a big tall giant guy who kinda kinda made his name overseas in the land of the rising sun, and he's now back here. Back here in the U.S., breaking necks. He's a good wrestler for sure, but not somebody that like I, I would I would necessarily need to to come and see. But they they did that for I'm gonna say 45, 50 minutes because the show was definitely going live at five o'clock. The show was definitely gonna go live at five, so they they cut it a few minutes before, and then at that point, company owner this guy Tony Khan, his his father owns the Jacksonville Jaguars, and this guy Tony Khan got an early inheritance, one of those gimmicks where they're like, I'm going to give it to you now so I can see you enjoy it while I'm still alive. And he formed a, a wrestling league that got on TV, and it's doing very well. Good good use of his money. But he came out, and he, he gave a speech about the history of the Cow Palace, of like how excited they were to wrestle in the Cow Palace back in the day. Way back in the day when the WWE was called the WWWF, the Worldwide Wrestling Federation, back in the days of back in the days of territorial wrestling, the the San Francisco territory was called Big Time Wrestling, and they would run from San Francisco all the way up to Stockton, all the way down to actually the Sonoma County Fairgrounds. They would run shows everywhere, and then the biggest shows were run at the Cow Palace. So for years, the Cow Palace has historically been known as a wrestling arena. Great sightlines for wrestling, perfect for any kind of wrestling needs. The WWF used to go there back in the day. I saw the WWF there numerous times. Anyhow, Tony Khan came out and he gave a speech about how excited they were to be there. Blah, 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 blah. And then he's like, are you guys ready for some dynamite? And then the real announcer, this guy, I think his name is Justin Roberts, came out and he kind of kind of vamped to the crowd for a few minutes. He's like, okay, guys, we're going to we're gonna get ready to go live any second now. So I want you to put, a, you know, get your signs up, get excited. It's going to be going to be a great night of dynamite. And all of a sudden, like fireworks go off on the stage and the show begins. <laughs> The interesting thing was, the show did not sell a ton of tickets. They did not sell out. They, they for some reason, they're running Wednesday, and then they're running on the, on Friday at the Cow Palace again, and then on Sunday, or maybe Saturday, Sunday or Saturday, they're going to do a pay-per-view from the Chase Center where the Warriors used to play, I believe. So... They're in town for three days and one week, and they they only sold out the pay-per-view. It's kind of kind of a weird business model, but that's that's how they did it. The Cow Palace was maybe like just over half full, and they moved a bunch of people from the other side 
over to the side that was facing the camera. So the entire arena was only just over half full. And the the camera was pointing, you know, at the full side to make it appear as if there were like millions of people there. And the the wrestlers face that camera, the one that's facing the crowd. So for almost the entirety of the show, they were they were vamping to like an empty crowd. They were like vamping to like just people in empty seats. There were like a few people over there. I don't know. I think what it what it sort of looked like from my vantage point is they try to fill like the first row or maybe like the first and second row. So when they, they brawl outside the ring or whatever, you see people there. But it was so weird to watch like guys come out and they're just like gesticulating and freaking out. But they're they're like looking at no one. You can see what they were doing because they had big monitors up on the screen. You can see the monitors, but the whole time they're just like they're spazzing out to the just empty seats. I thought I thought that was interesting. Interestingly enough. When we got home, we put the show on because I wanted to see what the the building looked like. And they make it look like it is jam-packed. They made it look like people were absolutely hanging from the rafters. So I gotta, I gotta give it up for these guys. They definitely know what they're doing as far as this, as far as this goes. Because the whole side was empty. But they made it look like there were people fighting to get in. It was Really uh, good production work on, on on their side. So they start the show. The announcers are there. It was Tony Schiavone and it was Taz and it was uh, Excalibur. They have an announcer who wears a mask, which I which I think is kind of fun. And they they started off the show right from the bat. People were crazy. Like the first guy who wrestled with this dude, Orange Cassidy, who's really really popular. He has kind of this gimmick where he's sort of like a he's kind of like a slacker. He's like a human sloth. He wears sunglasses. He has a title belt that he carries in a Jansport backpack. He's one of my favorites. I used to not like this dude at all, but he's won me over because he's he's actually like a very good wrestler. Very good, very good performer. He started off and they were going bananas. They were going crazy for this guy. Let's, uh, let's, we're going to talk about like what, what it was like sitting there and all these kind of things. But, um, let's take a quick break with a word from AEW superstar, John Moxley. With every setback, with every new scar on my body, I continue to move forward. Boy, if you get trailed to the top of the hill until I am the last man standing. I'm a wildfire burner across the countryside. I am napalm death. I will get you eventually. Most people will sit and wait and look over their shoulder and say their prayers and hope the inevitable never comes. But I wonder if there's anybody else out there that wants to get me before I get them reckless. The kind of person they'll say has a death wish. This is a call to arms. All right, this is me, and we are back. I wonder, wonder if we'll hear that one on Behind the Bit one day with Ed. If you haven't heard the Behind the Bit, it's on the feed right now. Really, really fun show. Ed digs into these things pretty deep. I, I had a great time. I just want to say that before we, before we start with a, a bit of complaint there. There was a dude in front of me who kept jumping up at like, at like everything. You know how it is when you go see something like this. When something, when something happens that's exciting, everybody in the crowd jumps up. But this guy, this guy loved wrestling so much. Like he was so excited and he was having such a good time that every, everything that happened, he would jump up for. Like dude would do a body slam. He would jump up. (laughs) Dude would do a hip toss. He would jump up. Somebody would come down the uh, the the pathway into the ring. He would he would jump up. I was getting really annoyed by this guy. Like not enough to where you know I would like start trouble or anything. I wasn't I wasn't about to reach over and knock him out with a with a left hook from from behind. But I 
I was annoyed, and then, like, the more I'm sitting there, I start wondering, I'm like, I wonder if I'm more annoyed by the fact that this guy is so in the moment that he's just, like, jumping up, and he does not care if I, if I can't see, because if I want to see, I can also jump up. If he even thought about me in any way, which I am certain he did not, this is for sure what he thought, and then after a while, I really... I really started ruminating on this. I I do think that in some ways I was jealous of this fool's exuberance because no matter how much fun I'm having, I'm still reserved. I'm still kind of in the in the mode of not wanting to bother somebody else. I'm in the mode of like not wanting to, for example, stand up and get in somebody's way so that they don't they don't see Orange Cassidy put the belt in his backpack. But this guy this guy was in the moment. He was having the time of his life. And it really it really got on my nerves, but it also really made me kind of jealous. And then when we came home and um, put the, the program on the TV and watched it, this fool was on TV like three or four times. I kid you not. I'll, I'll try and get a picture before or after, I guess would be better. I'll try to get a picture after this episode airs and I'll, I'll show you this fool who kept getting on my nerves. But guy, guy was so excited, I guess. I guess I'm jealous, but anywho, there was also another guy who sat next to him, and every time a woman would come into the ring or onto the set, be it an announcer, be it a wrestler, be it somebody doing interviews, he would start to yell the crudest, most hateful stuff at these women. And I'm just like, man, who in your life damaged you in this way that you think that it's cool to yell at people like that? Like, he was... He was using all the foul language. Imagine the foulest words you can for, like, a female. And these are the words Homeboy was using. It's so weird to me, man. I'm like, you just seem to hate women so much. I'm like, why do you hate women? You don't like hanging out with girls? You don't like going to do things with girls? You don't like, you don't just like talking to girls about stuff? You're so hateful that you just, like, at the at the very sight of them coming down into the ring, you're just, you're just going crazy. People are so weird. People are so weird sometimes, and they're so full of hate. And I... I considered maybe, like, using my words at this guy, but at the same time, I'm just like, this guy looks so deranged. Like, when I saw his eyes, his eyes were, like, spinning in his head. It was so, it was so weird. You gotta know, you gotta know who not to chastise in life. Not chastising people is just as important as standing up for people, because you don't want to get a kick in your solar plexus. But anywho, there were those two guys. Wrestling fans are the worst. I just want to point this out. A lot of wrestling fans, nice guys, nice people, but like sometimes people, when they watch wrestling, they they act as if they want to be part of the show. And this always gets on my nerves. Cause I'm like, bro, just watch the show. Just have a good time. You're not, you're not involved. Your only involvement is to cheer or boo or do whatever. There's people like trying to start chants, which I guess is fine, but it's like, I don't want to really chant. I just want to kind of cheer like a, like a normal person, when I get excited, if I see something cool, I want to jump up and go, woo! But if I don't see something cool, I want to just, you know, play it cool. I don't, I don't want to start chants like, this is boring, or whatever. People, people really feel like they just need to be part of the event. If you go see something, you're not part of the event. You're a, you're a watcher. You're a viewer. You're in the audience. These are, these are probably the same people who yell at their TV at home, I, I guess. But anywho, they did not ruin my fun. In any way, we had such a good time. It was so cool. There were so many, so many good matches. There was this one ladder match, which was crazy. The idea of this match is you have to climb up a ladder and get this golden ring that's hanging from the ceiling. And if you get the golden ring, you get like a, you get a title match the, the next week on TV. And they had all kinds of dudes in there. There were like eight guys. One of the guys was a local dude from East Palo Alto. 
People went crazy for this guy, Powerhouse Hobbs. He ended up winning. He got all the way to the top of the ladder. And this guy's name is Powerhouse Hobbs for a reason. He is a monster. Dude is like the buffest dude you've ever seen in your life. And he had to go all the way to the top of this very, very tall ladder. And when I say the top, I mean the top, the literal top. You had to stand on the literal top and reach up, open up a carbiner, carbiner, whatever those things are called, and like get this get this golden ring off. And you could see on dude's face, homeboy did not like being on this ladder. You could see it. When the when the camera cut off after he won, he like so gingerly got down. And I get it, man. I don't want to stand at the top of a ladder. And I especially don't want to stand at the top of a ladder when I'm a 300 pound power lifter. They, the referees were down there. Like when he went up to the top of the ladder for the win, the referees were holding onto the bottom of the ladder, which is, which is nice. Never climb a ladder without having somebody hold it, man. It's, a very risky proposition, but that was fun. The people went crazy when the East Palo Alto guy got the uh, title shot in the future. Overall, very, very fun. I like going to the Cow Palace. I think the sight lines are fantastic. I think that you can you can feel the history in the building. It's one of those places. I remember back in the day going to see WWF there. I saw Hulk Hogan. I saw Superstar Billy Graham fight Junkyard Dog. I saw The Real Rock Don Morocco. I saw... All kinds of guys. Sergeant Slaughter. I remember seeing Sergeant Slaughter. I saw the Ultimate Warrior. I saw Randy Macho Man Savage here at the at the Cow Palace. So I, I anytime I get the chance to go there, I'm very I'm very excited. I also I also saw the homie Jerry from the next record store. Shout out to the next record store. Shout out to Jerry. I saw him and then I saw him in the urinal. We high fived while while using the uh while using the services there. Very very cool thing to do. If you've never done that, it's great way to become better friends with somebody you go high five and then on the way out those dudes that were selling hot dogs wrapped in bacon i don't know if this is a national thing or if this is just like a california thing i i have no idea but there's all these people outside with like propane fueled flat top grills and they they sell hot dogs wrapped in bacon and they are amazing just fantastic they they cost seven bucks. We got two for two for twelve, and it was it was fantastic. And the night ended with me, my wife, and my daughter, the great 2.0, sitting in the Cow Palace parking lot, eating hot dogs wrapped in bacon, talking about how fun it was to go see wrestling. And I'm just like, bro, in life, you gotta relish the moments. When you have the moment and you realize it's a magic moment, you gotta remember it. And this one I know magic moment. I mean, we're literally standing in the shadow of the Cow Palace after watching a great wrestling show. We're a family and we're eating these bootleg parking lot hot dogs together. And it was just, it was delightful. The hot dogs are great. They throw peppers and onions. Just awesome. Great night. Let's, uh, we're going to move forward into the next thing, which is yet to be determined. But, um, I have an idea. You are listening to IC Robots Radio, the number one team in the streets. This is me, I see robots, and we are back. I thought of like one more, maybe two more things I should have mentioned when we were doing the uh, wrestling segment. There was there was a match between Matt Hardy from the Hardy Boys, who I think maybe you might have heard of. Matt and Jeff Hardy, the Hardy Boys of WWE fame, was fighting the cold-hearted, handsome Devil Hook, who is the he is the son of Taz, the former ECW champion Taz, ECW stalwart Taz, and they. They had like a pretty good match, you know, Hook is an up-and-comer, and, and Matt Hardy was out there 
out there to make him look good and get pinned, and that he did. The match was the match was pretty fun. When you when you see Hook in person, guy is guy is pretty small, which is a uh, a little surprising. I knew he was small, but he is he is very small. But he won the match, and then they they cut to commercial. They flashed the commercial signal, and then. The two guys in the ring who were just fighting started talking and they hugged each other, high five and like left the um left the ring at the same time. I thought I thought that was interesting. I, I didn't realize that when they cut to commercial breaks that it would just be like, Oh, we're not enemies now, we're buddy buddy, good match. Good match hook. But that was that was interesting. Also there was a uh, big monitor that showed the time on the uh side that the camera was not pointing to. The the empty side of the arena. They had a big TV monitor that showed, like, what time it was at that time. And it also had, like, a red light on it. Like a like a big like a big light that would, would go on. And I wonder if that was showing them, like, we're live. We're at commercial now. Whatever that, you know, whatever the case may be. And then over in the area where we were going to sit, there was a big camera rig on a, uh, what do you call it? Like a crane. Like a big crane that would go not over the ring. Though I do think that, like... If they would have stretched it, it maybe could have reached, like, over over the top of the ring. But it was kind of used for, like, up-in-the-air action shots or whatever. That was that was what they needed my seat for, but they, they moved us up close. So that was, uh, that was all fine. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think if there's anything, like, super exciting to talk about that, uh, maybe coming up in, in, in the future months. I can't, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I know we're gonna have a new, uh, Behind the Bit with Ed coming up. It's... It's interesting. Ed wants me to sit down and do an interview with him for Behind the Bit, and I, I myself don't know if that's something that I really want to do. Like, I don't mind, but I, I don't, uh, I don't hanker to being interviewed. I've never, I've never, I've been asked, like, a bunch of times, like, people have asked me, Esquire, Penthouse, all kinds of, all kinds of esteemed publications have asked, but I, I turn them all down because I'm just not, like, I'm just not the kind of guy who needs to be, uh, I don't need to have my head gassed up like that. Let me, maybe I could just open these. That might be fun. I've had these sitting around for the longest time. As you guys know, I'm a fan of the uh, Dollar Tree action figure series known as Final Faction. And recently they've come out with some Final Faction repaints. Final Faction's like a, a, a story where there's like these alien invaders are coming down to Earth. They're known as the Karn. And I, I have two of the new Karns here. They're not new as far as being molds, but they are... New as far as being repaints of the Karns. These are called Karns Venoms. They they are in fact black with like a neon green on them to make them make them extra scary. This one here we have is called the Karn Brute, and it says the Karn Brute class specializes in power and destruction. They have a very low intelligence, and they are controlled by their commander. Tank weapons are not able to penetrate the brute's skin. Let's. Let's get in here. I do have the Karn Brute as a standard fig, but I don't have them as the Venom. Let's let's pull them out. The details on this are very impressive to me for a Dollar Tree figure. He's a big, big strapping lad. He has a neon green gun. I prefer the repaints on the Venoms more than I do the originals, to be honest. They're black with, like, neon green highlights. I think that... I think it's a very suitable color for a bad guy. Now, let's, um... Let's bust into the other one. This is a Karn drone. The Karn drones are, as you can imagine, they're just like the standard fighter class. Your, your stormtroopers, your red shirts, your cobra troops, what have you. Let's, um, I'm gonna drop his gun, but I caught it. I've had these, 
I've honestly had these for over a month, I think, and they've just kind of been sitting over there because I only have one shelf dedicated to Final Factions, and I don't want to overload that, but I, I think I might replace the Venoms the standard characters with the Venoms because they, they do look cooler to me. They look like, they look a little scarier. And on the, on the good guy side, the final faction figures are repainted and renamed as elites. And they have, they have like gold accents to a lot of their, a lot of their weapons and whatnot. I've also seen that they have like a repaint of the robots where their legs are kind of translucent and painted red. So it looks like it kind of looks as if they're blasting off. I have not seen any of the elites in the store. I have seen like an elite accessory pack, but I have not seen any of the elite figures. Only the Venoms and only at one Dollar Tree. We have, we have, uh, I think three or four different Dollar Trees here in Santa Rosa. But the the one over by Food Max is the best one. It's enormous, and that's the that's the only place I've seen the. Uh, that I've seen the Venoms at. The Dollar Tree near us in Bennett Valley is run by the most whacked out employees. And I know you're saying like, well, it's a Dollar Tree. Of course they're whacked out. And I, I accept that. But there's there's this one lady there that's so whacked out and she's always yelling. Like she's always yelling. They, they one time shut the whole entire store down because somebody spilled a bottle of soap in the soap aisle, like a bottle of a like dish soap and it busted open. And the lady, the lady ushered everybody out of the store so they could clean the, the area. So it's so weird over there that we just don't even go there anymore. So take that Dollar Tree on a Ulupa Road. But anyway, I got I got these two Venoms. I do think that um I do honestly think that they are pretty cool. The the sculpts on these Dollar Tree figures is so nice. Dollar Tree puts out like a bunch of different action figures, and there's like a ton of junky soldiers. And the only ones that ever ever really stand out to me are the uh, the final factions. They're standard army guys. They're very very much subpar. Let's see what else do I have around here. I know. I know I got all kinds of stuff. I don't know if this is even if this is even interesting in any way. I don't honestly don't think it is, but I'm having a hard time thinking of anything like super duper exciting to talk about. Like I went to that wrestling show. I went to the um the Academy of Science in San Francisco. That was that was pretty cool. Overall, I found the actual museum to be a little a little underwhelming. They had like the things you would expect like skulls and bones and rocks and minerals and things like that. And that's all that's all good and fine, man. It's honestly like pretty cool, but it wasn't it wasn't like interactive enough to, to be interesting to me, I guess. You're just kind of looking at crystals, which is all fine. It's honestly all fine, but I could actually look at a picture of a crystal and it's kind of the same as looking at a real crystal. But they they have an aquarium there that is absolutely fantastic. It has an area where you can go into it and the the whole thing is like it's like in an arch like the fish can swim above you. It's pretty it's pretty cool and they had some nutty fish in there. They have like a giant catfish and they had this one fish. I'm not sure what it was called, but it was like 6 or 7 feet long and about as big as big around as like a log and it kept it kept doing loops around and it had this horribly prehistoric face. Very scary. I can't even I can't even imagine seeing this in the sea. I would have I would have dropped dead. I, I'm looking for some ideas for top fives. If you guys have some fun top five ideas, hit me up at Marvel Handbook on the tweets. That's the new address ever since Elon hit me in the head with a ruler and chased me off the tweets. That's that's honestly been a little of a, a little of an effect on me. I feel like I've lost any kind of a reach that I had. I had a pretty pretty okay bunch of friends on on the tweets, and I'm having a hard time getting some of these cool guys that I was friends with over there to be friends with me again. I'm having a hard time picking up the momentum from that, but I, 
I feel like uh, the overall interest in tweets is kind of kind of waning, but I don't know what the what the next thing will be, or if there will be a next thing at all. It could be that we just all lose contact and that icy robots drifts off into space. So with that said, this is me signing off. Please consider going over to supportthereport.com, helping us out in that way. Keep checking for the new Behind the Bit with Ed. Got a new GeekFest rant the other week from Carlos. Nice to see Carlos is back talking Star Wars. Good episode. So with all that said, if you don't like what's going on in the news, go forth and make some news of your own. Alright, um, man, bring an organ. And you know I got to have that. supported endeavor. If you like what we do here and you look forward to new programming, consider helping us to bring fun stuff every week by heading over to supportthereport.com and tossing a few pounds into the hat. It's important to support things that you enjoy. Thanks and have a great week. Supportthereport.com Everybody love everybody. Right there up on the wall. I don't think so. Very happy, very stoked. Very stoked, very happy. Very stoked, very happy. We used to encourage everyone I met to make art. I used to think everyone should do it. I don't really do that so much anymore. I always used to encourage everyone I met to make art. I used to think everyone should do it. I don't really do that so much anymore. Everybody love everybody. You are listening to IC Robots Radio, the number one team in the streets.